0: After the Apocalypse, A Pandemic Survival Story, Season 1, Episode 14, Run. Janet ran. And the obscenities pouring from the man she had just left bleeding in the dirt faded away. Like the man himself He was nothing He was a threat that had been dealt with Like she always dealt with threats She had the hard skills Built up over years of practice She could dominate most situations Her force of will Bent others to her path And if they didn't bend They got run over Or shoved aside KJ the killer And she ran With each stride, she exerted downward force, and the ground of the dirt road pushed energy up through her feet. Mother Earth pushed back a restoring energy. Janet felt the animal joy of exertion. Her legs protested at first, but then settled into an easy stride, like a trotting tigress, unconcerned with the world. An apex predator. Janet let her mind drift in the effort and thought back to earlier days. She had always been an athlete. It was part and parcel of the way she defined herself. She had been the captain of the volleyball team in college. Janet ran the offense and was the setter. At six feet tall, Janet was tall enough to be a physical presence on the court, but not gangly and uncoordinated. She was strong and athletically built. This, combined with her mental focus, made her a force a force of will that carried her team to the championship. She covered the court with a relentless tenacity, feeding her hitters with brutal efficiency. And to watch her spike a quick hit into the opposition was like watching an eagle dive and take a fish. The fish never stood a chance once the eagle locked in. And she ran. Her mind returned to the physical act as her body reminded her of the effort. But she was relaxing now. The adrenaline from the fight was draining from her system. She let her hips settle, like one of her coaches had told her. He had said, make your hips like a bucket of water. Keep them level and still, like carrying a bucket of water so as not to slosh it about. Her feet made a steady rhythm on the road as they came into contact long enough to grab on the forefoot and then snapped easily up behind. Her calf muscles twitched and the meat of her thigh muscles warmed to the act. Anyone watching her would get images of big cats prowling. a predator moving easily and fearlessly through a world they controlled. She could have stopped running. That man was not a threat. He had never really been a threat once she had decided to deal with him. But she felt like running. Not running from anything. Not running towards anything. Just running to feel the primal nature of her body. The perfect pulse of animal energy as her body fell into the rhythm. She inhaled deeply through her nose and felt the air fill her lungs, then exhaled through her mouth, blowing out the tension and death of the last couple of weeks. She resumed breathing easily through the effort and felt some small satisfaction in the fact that she could do this simple act, an act that connected her mind and body in motion. The wind in the drying leaves made a white noise hiss as her mind relaxed into the effort. It was like moving meditation. Her big brain drifted in the comfort of the act, and her subconscious came forward with thoughts and reflections. And she ran. Even after college, she had continued to keep her body tuned. Even after marriage. Even after the kids came. Even with the work at the law practice dragging long days out of her. She continued to work out and stay strong. She pursued fitness like she pursued everything else. She hunted it down and made it hers. Her life bubbled up unbidden from that subconscious like a series of still pictures. A painful image of a smiling wedding photo flashed by. Poor Ted. They were so young, but they were happy. Ted never stood a chance either. Once Janet decided he was the one, the rest was a foregone conclusion. Another painful image flashed by. It was of her slipping away from Ted and the kids and their warm Sunday morning bed cuddle to head out for a multi-hour bike ride, training for a triathlon. The little one said, Stay, Mommy. You're always working or working out. Stay with us, Mommy. Those pleading eyes could melt the coldest heart. She had leaned in for a hug and a kiss and promise of pancakes when she got back. Did she sacrifice for them? No. She got things done. Did they sacrifice for her? No, they were always Team Janet. She had lived with purpose. What was her purpose now? She shook her head to clear the images. They were gone now. Regrets of times not spent had no use in this world. If Janet was going to survive, she would need to use those hard skills she had cultivated over the years and put soft things aside. And still she ran. She came back to the present. Her heart was pumping hot blood to her face. Her breathing was easy and rhythmic as the wind whipped her black hair into her eyes. She reached back and tied a quick ponytail, a well-practiced move that she could do without breaking stride. A tree had fallen across a trail ahead. The trunk of the tree was maybe twenty inches in diameter and a couple of feet off the ground. Without hesitation, she reached out, planted her hands on the rough bark, and easily vaulted over. She felt the strength in her shoulders and back, the satisfying grab and thump as she flew and landed effortlessly. And she thought of that strength and how she could use it now. This world had taken everything from her that was soft and good, but it had left her with much. It had left her with strength. It had left her with her predatory instincts and her cutting mind." Janet wiped the grit from her hands and kept on running. Easy now. The anger and hate had drained from her body and a new confidence was rising. A confidence that she had advantages now. She had nothing left to live for, yet this was freeing, in a way. She had a physical and mental toolkit that was honed to deal with hard things. She thought back to the confidence she had always had and how she had used it to drag down her prey. She had the skills and focus to outwork and outmaneuver most of the corporate lawyers who came up against her in her practice. Those braying prep school boys thought their Fortune 500 clients offered them some sort of protection. They thought they had the resources to beat her in open battle. She used that overconfidence against them. When they brought their big resources and budgets to bear on her, she would have already sidestepped their attack. With her size and committees, they could never catch up to her. She would attack the soft underbellies of their cases, like a hungry shark zipping about a lumbering whale. When they finally swallowed their pride and offered to settle, she would take them to the cleaners. Her success brought her independence, financial independence, surely, but also independence of action. She could work fast and sharp and was given the leeway to do so. Her success meant she didn't need to seek approval. The partners of the firm saw this and gave her free reign. Once she identified a threat, she dealt with it. That was her job, and she took it as her mission. Her purpose, KJ the Killer. These were the hard skills she brought to the apocalypse. Why hadn't the virus taken her like it had taken everyone she knew and loved? maybe because she was too mentally and physically strong for it, maybe because it recognized a fellow killer. She knew that her survival had as much to do with luck as it did with physical fitness, but she also knew that you make your own luck. You prepare, you train, you react and make your move without hesitation. The unlucky hesitate and second guess. They don't survive. Her mind returned to the present as the virus gave one last tug at her and dragged up a rough cough. She cleared her throat and spit into the dirt of the trail. Traces of that thing were still in her lungs, but her body had found it, identified it, killed it. She was almost back to 100%. The trail emerged into a wider dirt road that showed signs of recent vehicle traffic. Not that she cared, There was nothing left that scared her. She had lost everything that mattered. She had lost everyone. Ironically, this gave her the feeling of ultimate power and control in her life. She walked a bit and took a drink from the bottle in her pack. Sweat dripped from the ragged point of her improvised ponytail. She shook the sweat off in a practiced flip of the head. She thought back to how much she had crammed into her life. How do you get everything done, small people would ask how do you balance it all? If she felt charitable, Janet would tell them that there is no such thing as balance, only choice. If they wanted something different, they should make the different choices. She began her easy run again on the dirt road, feeling the welcome fatigue of her muscles. It was proof that she was still alive, still capable, still in the fight. The road began to climb a long, shallow hill through the trees. Janet brought her hands up high and pushed her hips forward as she had been coached to do, and let the hill come to her. She breathed deep and straightened up. She felt the strength of her legs and core, pushing gravity aside like a pestering child. She climbed, legs working like strong, steady pistons, short strides with mechanical efficiency. She loved hills. She loved battles. She loved winning. The hard cases she had enjoyed taking down the most were the doctors, as they sat smug and unassailable in depositions, not nervous, not scared. Those doctors acted mostly disinterested, like they were above this petty proceeding, calm in their sense of self-superiority. They saw her, not with fear or hate or derision, they saw her as an ant on the sidewalk, a pest, they were so certain that they were working for the greater good, that they were the greater good, that the pain, suffering, and accidental death caused by their devices and drugs were for the greater good, that those people's lives were a necessary rounding error in the great march of progress led by gods. She lived for that moment when she saw the realization come over them that they were going to be held accountable You could see and feel the change as they saw their godlike confidence crack. She took their money, she took their careers, she took their confidence, and more often than not, she took their manhood. K.J. the killer, even the score one broken god at a time. Janet climbed. She returned from her memories of corporate battles with tin gods to her current battle with the hill. A few more hard strides to the top, breathing heavily, Noticing the fatigue of built-up effort in her legs, she shook the tiredness off and eased over the crest of the hill, transitioning into the downhill on the other side. She relaxed and let gravity pull her. Her strides lengthened. The soles of her feet touched the dirt just long enough to keep her in effortless flight, her motion smooth and gliding like a cheetah. Her ponytail bounced against a wet spot between the shoulder blades of her shirt, keeping rhythm. She knew she should stop running soon. It had been a couple of weeks since she'd done anything, and she shouldn't burn herself out for no reason, especially with her recent bout of sickness. But it felt so good. It felt so freeing, flying down this dirt road. She used the gravity of the hill like a circling raptor uses the warm air currents to stay aloft searching for prey with keen eyes, and then, with folded wings, diving like a shot to take an unsuspecting rabbit, swift, abrupt, and lethal. She flew. Janet eased into a walk at the base of the hill, refreshed, relaxed, and confident. She was brought back to reality by a smell carried on the wind. She smelled steam, the unmistakable, rusty smell of steam from an overheated vehicle. A camper van was off the road ahead with steam pouring from its open hood. Janet was not afraid, nor was she curious. If they left her alone, she would leave them alone. If they were a threat, well, then she'd deal with them. If there was an opportunity, she'd take it. K.J. the killer took a deep breath and moved in. (laughs)
1: This is Chris, your host, and a fine Saturday morning it is up here in New England. We had a storm fly through yesterday with wind and rain and snow, and I was worried about our friend Tim, who's out hiking on the Appalachian Trail. He's been helping with editing and story ideas, mostly before he left for the Appalachian Trail. He's been out there for two weeks, and he's currently passing through the area near where Janet and the old man are struggling to survive the apocalypse in our story. And I can just imagine if a storm like the one we had hit in the Smoky Mountains while they are out in the trail, you know, I'll have to see if we can work a storm into the story somehow. I, I like that. When I was a teenager, I spent a week hiking in the Joyce Kilmer National Forest, which is near to there, a bit south. And it would have been about this time of year. And I remember we did get some ice storms on a couple of days. But, you know, you just crawl into your tent and you wait it out. I remember waking up and and hitting the plastic, the tarp over over your head, and the ice sort of shattering and sliding off the tarp, right? But we survived. I would have been, what, 16 and just rolling out of uh, wrestling season. So I was stupid and indestructible. Speaking of hiking adventures in the wilderness, my wife forced me to watch a movie called Into the Grizzly Maze from 2015, mostly because she likes to look at the actor James Marsden. And I'll be honest, it was a silly movie about an angry grizzly bear who likes to eat people. And for some reason, they talked... A-list talent into it. Billy Bob Thornton is underused here as the bear hunter. Think uh, the Quint character from Jaws, right? We're going to need a bigger boat. He was hunting the bears. Thomas Jane was one of the main characters, who is one of my favorite actors. You may know him as Detective Joe Miller in The Expanse, which is one of the best hard science fiction shows to come out recently. Or for you Marvel fans, Thomas Jane was the original Punisher, who went after John Travolta in 2004. God knows how these actors got caught up in the hot mess that is the Grizzly Maze. I suspect a paycheck was involved. And looking out my office window this morning, the Forsythia is in bloom. My cherry tree is about to bloom. What do you think of this week's story? Janet is discovering or rediscovering her strength and how it can help her in the apocalypse. I'd appreciate any feedback you have. Send me a note. C Y K T R U S S -S E L L at gmail.com. I've been reading through another science fiction series called The Lost Fleet for almost probably a year now. I'm about to crack into the eighth and final book, it's a space epic. But I realized last night, sort of hit me, that it parallels Xenophon's Anabasis. Bear with me here. (laughs) Xenophon was a Greek mercenary with a force of 10,000 other Greek mercenaries hired by Cyrus the Younger to help them seize the throne of Persia from his brother Artaxerxes in 401 BC. So note, this is before the Romans and about 70 years even before Alexander the Great. Anyhow, they march deep into Babylon, and unfortunately Cyrus gets killed in the battle. And the opposing Persian commander invites the Greek leaders and and the staff to a banquet to talk things out. And instead of talking things out, he has them all killed. So this leaves the 10,000 Greek mercenaries deep in hostile territory with no leaders, So they elect Xenophon, who leads them out of Persia and back to Greece with a tactically brilliant retreat. And to make a long story short, that's exactly the storyline of this Lost Fleet series, except with spaceships. And I kind of feel like I should reach out to the author and ask him if that was his intent. I'd be curious to know if it was, or, or if it was just an example of how universal human stories are, how they repeat over time. And if you want to delve more into any of this, the links are always in the show notes and on the accompanying post on my Patreon page. So survivors, we are about to crack 4,000 downloads, which is good, but we can do better. I need your help. I need you to like the show, post a review, and most importantly, tell three friends about it. Please share the show on social media. Everybody's on social media. Just share it with your friends. Say, hey, I really like this. Or, hey, I don't like this. I don't care. Just share it. I really want to start publishing weekly, but I can't afford to do that unless I can get more survivors to tune in. And I'm just a guy doing what he loves, not a corporation, so I need your help. If you enjoy the story... Help me keep it going by contributing five bucks or 10 bucks or 20 bucks to the Patreon page. It is patreon.com forward slash after the apocalypse. All one word. Do it now. Let's keep it going. And until next time, keep surviving.